listening to the CIPD podcast series. This year, the government will introduce legislation to give everyone the right to ask their employer if they can work flexibly. Now, many parents and carers have already taken up this right, and flex can take many forms, from part-timing and compressed hours to homeworking and, more unusually, job sharing and term-time working. Ben Wilmot is Senior Public Policy Advisor for the CIPD, and I asked him to explain exactly what the changes are and why this policy shift is happening now. The changes are an extension of the right to request flexible working to all employees, which compares to the current situation, which gives uh, the right to request flexible working to parents of children aged up to 17 and some carers. So it, it will hopefully mean that over time, those employers who aren't providing flexible working and those employees who aren't benefiting from flexible working and potentially could will be able to benefit from greater work-life balance. So what's prompted this extension of the right to ask? Was it something that employees were calling for? I think it's a combination of of a number of factors. One is the fact that we have an ageing population. Businesses are increasingly going to have to manage an ageing workforce, which means that people won't just be caring for children, they'll be caring for grandparents, they'll be caring for ageing partners or spouses and parents and so it is crucial that employers get better at at managing uh, a more diverse and and particularly an ageing workforce. So I think certainly that that is one of the reasons behind it. I think the other one is is also the fact that we, we know that there is a very strong business case for employers to invest in providing more flexibility for the workplace in terms of staff retention, employee engagement, employee well-being. And we also know that there is still a long way to go before the majority of employees are able to benefit from from flexible working where the business allows it. At the moment, we have you know, quite limited take-up, really, even though employers, a lot of employers are providing flexible working. As with the current legislation, the new regulations allow bosses to say no to flexible working requests on eight business grounds. That's you know, one of the reasons why the CIPD has been so supportive of this, what we see as light-touch regulation. We know from how the existing right to request has worked over the last decade that it really has created very few problems for employers. It has generated very, very few uh, tribunal claims. 90% of employers who responded to our survey said that the right to request legislation had provided them with no problems at all. So it really is good light-touch regulation that um, hopefully can support more conversations between employers and employees about the, the, the potential for improving um, flexibility and work-life balance within organisations. Although the current legislation is far from new, within some organisations there is still a cultural resistance to the idea of flexible working. Some employees just don't feel entirely confident or comfortable about asking for it, even if they're entitled to. I asked Ben Wilmot if making the right to request universal would make a big difference to the number of people working in this way. I think it's going to take possibly another 10 to 15 years before we really see that significant step change. I do think that we are you know, on a journey to you know, much greater flexibility, but we're a long way from getting to the point where flexibility becomes an integral part of all, all workplaces. Having said that, do you think we will see a lot more people asking now? 
I don't think we're going to suddenly see a significant increase. I think we, we will see over time a, a gradual increase. The legislative change will contribute to that, that increase. I think you know, the evidence is that the right to request flexible working has meant that discussions around flexible working and the issue of flexible working has, has become you know, much more acceptable and, and has a higher profile than it, than, than it did before. Simply giving all employees the right to ask for flexible work won't substantially increase uptake unless attitudes change too. Many employees are still worried about how working flexibly might impact on their career progression. In January, the president of the Law Society, Lucy Scott Moncrief, went public with what she called the uncomfortable truth that some law firms are paying mere lip service to the concept of flexibility because they argue that lawyers who choose to do it lack the necessary commitment to handle senior roles. Now, obviously, this has hit female lawyers hardest. And as she put it, if career progression was based on pure merit, some male business leaders and law firm senior partners would never even have seen the paintings on the boardroom wall. Now, if you heard December's podcast about gender equality in the workplace, you'll remember that the law firm Eversheds takes a very different approach. They use senior flexible workers as role models for younger professionals to actively demonstrate that flexibility is no barrier to advancement in their firm. Audrey Williams is a partner in the human resources practice at Eversheds, where she is head of discrimination. I asked her when businesses could expect the new legislation to come into effect. The indications, of course, that we have from government. We're going to have another consultation exercise towards the middle of this year, probably. And likely implementation date is going to be 2014, probably in April, because that's obviously a timescale, a typical timescale for these types of family rights and um, new rights to be introduced. So in 2014, when the new legislation comes into force, what do businesses have to do in order to be prepared for requests, especially if they haven't been in this position before? Here's Audrey Williams again. I think particularly if you're in an organisation that doesn't already extend to everyone, I think there's definitely an awareness-raising exercise to be uh, achieved, obviously before the provisions come in. And um, one of the risk areas I think is obviously the realisation particularly from a line manager that's the person I'm going to go and talk to and, and, and make the request to initially they may not appreciate the change has been affected and you know they may kind of reject or tell me that I can't ask for that when actually I now have the legal rights so I think that's the first requirement I think it's probably as well to revise flexible working policies they're quite common in organisations particularly you know let's move away now from the strict timetable and time frames. So we want to make the most of that and now work to a time frame that operates effectively for the organisation. But I also think there is a balance to be met between being consistent but also being very careful that, yes, everyone will have the right to request flexible working, but of course there are other rights that might impact if you say no to me. So, for example, if I'm making my request for flexible working, reduced hours, because of a disability and I, I need to sort of work around that, um, of course... The flexible working regulations, that's one thing, but I have a set of discrimination, disability discrimination rights, reasonable adjustments. So although the government's saying we will allow employers to prioritise, we won't require them to, I think there is, legally speaking, a need for employers to think about who does actually have legal obligations and therefore who does need to be given priority when they make those requests. 
In addition to raising awareness and looking at you know, any existing policies, I think there is a need to um, encourage the taking of a positive approach. Often it's the way someone's request is dealt with and handled and they're feeling that you know, it has seriously been considered, genuinely been considered, that can lead to concerns and complaints. So I think try and be positive. Um, try, if you can, to ask yourself the question, can we accommodate it? rather than what are the reasons why we can't. And although the statutory provisions don't really talk about trial periods, I think you know, that's something that if you've got a, a good dialogue going, I would certainly encourage a lot of my clients to, if you're in doubt, trial it, explain to the individual you've got doubts, and then make your final decision. For some businesses, there are operational pressures that might make it difficult for them to agree to flexible working for all their employees. However, with the new legislation, they can still reject requests on those eight grounds, including that the extra cost might damage the business or if the business is planning changes to the workforce. I asked Audrey if she expects an increase in the number of disputes in this area due to an increase in requests for flexibility. I think what we might see are some different types of disputes. What I mean by that is I think it's less likely that we're going to see um, a significant surge in complaints under the flexible working regulations themselves. And actually, it's quite difficult to say, well, you've given me a reason. Yes, it might fall within one of the eight, but you know, I, don't, I don't accept that's a good reason. What we're more likely to see is people who are unhappy that others have been granted and they haven't. And if they can find particularly a discrimination angle or perhaps even if they feel strongly about it, this is just you know, unfair and um, you, you've granted it to others, you're victimising me or you know, maybe I've blown the whistle on something and therefore you're trying to you know, get at me, you're saying no. I think we'll see those types of detrimental treatment complaints, discrimination, victimisation complaints as a result of you know, I have this new right to request and you haven't dealt with it um, fairly and appropriately. The business benefits attached to flexible working are well established and at a recent CIPD conference I met with three organisations that are already keen advocates. Firstly, British Gas. Angela Williams is their HR director and I asked her how long the company has been offering flexible working to its employees. There's always been a history of flexible working at British Gas. The key thing is that we need to reflect the customers and the customer diversity that we have. So we have over 12 million customers across the UK. And as you can imagine, it's a very, very diverse customer base. So we try to attract people that reflect that diversity. Um, So going back 20, 30, 40 years, we have had flexibility around whether it's working hours, working time, shift patterns, operating um, structures. So the whole variety of flexibility that you could imagine is in there. And our only key criterion is that um, it meets the needs of the operation. So you were very, very early adopters of all this, and for good strategic business reasons. What do you see then as the the key benefits of doing it? Um, It enables us to attract people who wouldn't necessarily immediately say, I want to go and work for British Gas. For example, if we take um, people in their 
late 50s um, who have been retrained as um, smart metering engineers. They may have had a trade all the way through their lives, but they've said, well, actually, I want to come in and I want to work three days a week, but I want to learn a new trade. We've said, fine, great. You've got the customer skills. You know how to interact with people, but you don't have the technical skills. We'll train you. And actually, we have a more motivated workforce as a result of it because they genuinely want to be with us. They've got the flexibility that they need. And it gives us an ability to make sure that our resource plan is full so we can actually fulfil all the productivity um, levels that we need. In theory, all 35,000 employees at British Gas already have the opportunity to work flexibly. However, as Angela indicated, offering opportunities to a workforce as big as this is no mean feat. And there is a complex infrastructure in place to ensure that Flex works efficiently and, importantly, that the company can still deliver in all the areas it needs to. Here's Angela Williams. We have specific people who do nothing but resource plan. So every minute and every hour of every day, we will have resources allocated to customer plans and customer activities. So people do that as a full-time job. How so, many of those people do you have? Um, not that many, not as many as you would think, actually. It's probably about 30 people who will do that across the board. Um, it's very sophisticated in terms of how they do it. What they will do is people will need in advance to say, I need to work 18 hours this week or I need to work 25 hours this week. And they will then feed it in. And people don't always get what they want. Right. Um, but most of the time we can try and accommodate it. In, in the contact centres and with our engineers, it, it is very difficult for them to come and go as they please. It does have to all be scheduled in. So, with such a large and diverse workforce, Flexible Working at British Gas operates in a variety of different ways. Here's Angela again. So it can be everything from... I want to work part-time or I want to work fixed hours or I only want to work at weekends or I only want to work from 9 till 12 through to, you know, I have childcare issues where I need to leave early, is that okay? Or actually I want to change my working patterns on a not necessarily weekly basis, but as long as we know in advance, a weekly, fortnightly, monthly basis. So as long as we know in advance, it's actually very helpful because we can then plan and we can fill our resource plan. For people who are not so driven by the operating plan, we actually just then offer flexibility that we do it on trust. So as long as you deliver, we don't actually mind where you work and the hours you work as long as you're delivering for us. Obviously, if they don't deliver, then that's a very different debate. But generally, people who work either flexibly or part-time actually are probably more productive. As well as this increase in productivity, Angela says that flexibility gives British Gas a variety of other wins too. The cost in terms of absence is actually quite low. So you know, it, it doesn't sound that low, but 20 or 30 million pounds a year is lost in absence. But actually, if we save one day, then we can be saving one or two million pounds. So, you know, there's big money involved by actually having that level of flexibility. And offering and flex brings down your absenteeism. It absolutely does. So it's a business yeah. win. Yeah. And turnover as well. So our attrition levels, again, for a contact centre environment and an engineer workforce is the lowest in the industry. And that is directly linked to the ability that people have to have flexibility and they believe that they are, as you say, treated like adults. Women's Pioneer Housing is a not-for-profit housing organisation. Founded back in 1920, they currently provide a 1,000 homes in West London. 
Janet Davis is their chief executive and she told me why Pioneer had started to offer flexible working to their people and exactly how their approach works. It was a way of attracting staff when we were a relatively small organisation and when the other local employers were much more competitive than we were. And has that worked for you? Absolutely. Um, our staff retention is really good and even at times when people have found empl- getting hold of good employees difficult, it's not been a problem for us. We offer pretty standard packages to our office staff, so they're able to pretty much fix their hours within a core, which I think is standard amongst many organisations these days. But for staff who have more fixed hours, so ones that work on site, providing services directly to our tenants, they're able to choose their hours so that they suit both the tenants and suit the staff member themselves. So they will be able to select, say, for five hours, any time starting from 7 in the morning till maybe 9 or 10 in the morning. Just like British Gas, Women's Pioneer Housing has reaped the business benefits of flexible working. In terms of retention and commitment, absolutely. And we we haven't had the turnover that others experienced. The third sector often loses people to the private sector when when times are good. And we haven't seen that happen. And I I know it's a, a... a feature of why people stay with us. And certainly we have recently attracted people from the private sector into our organisation um, because, because they were attracted by the working conditions. I asked Janet Davis whether she thought that using trial periods to explore the way a flexible working arrangement might work had been useful at Pioneer. Absolutely. That's partly because however much you discuss it, you don't really know whether it's going to work or not. And I think everybody needs to have an opportunity to back off at a certain point and discuss whether the arrangement needs to either be tweaked or changed altogether. But I think it's a way of reassuring the people working around that staff member that if there are problems, then there will be an opportunity for them to be reviewed and for them to be resolved. Samantha Clark is the UK and Ireland HR Director for Accenture. As a global management consulting, technology services and outsourcing company, Accenture employs around 10,000 people here in the UK and Ireland and over a quarter of a million worldwide. Flexible working is already well embedded in the culture. I asked Samantha Clark why it was seen as so central to HR policy. I think the business case for us is fairly compelling in that we invest a huge amount of time and money in our people. They're our only asset in the organisation and we want them to be productive and we want them to engage and we want them to stay with us. Um, We have um, a population of of women, um, about half the population is women in in Accenture, UK and Ireland, and we clearly, when they go off on periods of maternity leave, as they sometimes do, then we clearly want them to come back to us in big numbers. And one of the ways in which we find that it's an attractive return for women is if we can offer and demonstrate that we have made successfully arrangements work in around flexible working. There's a number of reasons, um, and those are, those are just a few, I think, as to how the, the business case for flexibility in our organisation is fairly compelling. At Accenture, they use technological tools to help manage the flexible working process. These include an internal flexible working portal where staff can see what the policy looks like and what an application might involve. Here's Sam Clark again. It's not a hard process, but it does encourage them through the questions it asks to think about what sort of flexible work would they be looking for 
um, what do they feel, um, or why rather, do they feel it, it would be successful? So it does put the emphasis on the individual to say, this is what I'm after, and this is why I think it will work, and these are the things that I will put in place to ensure it will work, and for us then to have a conversation with them. Because the key thing here is we want to communicate with our um, with our staff who make these requests and make it a human process rather than just a sort of form-filling thing. So you would sit down then with either your line manager um, or your HR representative and you would discuss it. Another tool Accenture employs to help facilitate the homeworking element of their flexible working practice is a piece of custom-built tech which allows instant messaging between employees. You know, everybody, regardless of whether they work from home or not, has the, you know, the same technology um, on their laptop. Which is what? We, well, in, in, in my organisation, it's, it's essentially instant communication. The software that you run on your PC, which essentially allows you to instantly ping, we call it ping, instantly communicate with another person in the Accenture network um, and est- establish whether they're, they're in a meeting, whether they're um, available, um, whether they're offline. And, and essentially, it just speeds up communication between you and others. It's similar to email, but it's more instant. And also, you can see exactly what status that individual has. So what people use it for is very rapid type of communication. You know, so if I have a very instant request for a particular piece of information, so for example, you know, how many people are there in the Manchester office, I would ping my Manchester HR person, ask a question, and she pings it back two seconds later. So it's it's just it speeds things up a huge amount. But that technology is available to everybody regardless. So it's not an extra cost. But I think what we've now established is that people, you know, do have video conferencing facilities as part of that software so that when you're sitting at home, you can see who you're talking to because your camera on your PC. And you can screen share. And you can screen share so that it, you have the same... Im- it's like standing over somebody's shoulder and watching what they're doing on the screen, but they're showing you it and they happen to be sitting in their living room um, rather than them sitting in the office. Like British Gas and Women's Pioneer Housing, Accenture has experienced fantastic business benefits from its stance on flexible working, including improved staff loyalty and retention. My experience has been that if you trust people, if you give them that little bit of extra flexibility, you get it back in spadefuls in terms of the loyalty and the effort and the hard work that people put in. Particularly if you're flexible around family circumstances, I think. People are very loyal. And in fact, we've found that with flexible working generally, when it works successfully, it makes people very sticky, if you like, in that they, they find it very, very hard to give that up. Mm. Particularly homeworking, I think, as well, is a phenomenon. If people you know, actually um, move to homeworking arrangements and they maybe work, for example, two days a week from home out of a five-day-a-week arrangement, actually they, they often come to really enjoy that level of flexibility in a way that perhaps surprises them sometimes and then when perhaps they're considering an alternative to working for us it's actually something that's fairly sizable for them to give up yes and difficult to replicate elsewhere. yeah because it's not necessarily everybody's experience that there's that amount of flexibility i think um to work from home for example now obviously your consultants I'm sure you measure all this, don't you? So you do see clear business benefits from it. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. So, you know, the number of women who come back from maternity leave um, in, in terms of, the you know, that returning population is significantly better than it's ever been. And, you know, there could be a number of reasons for that. But I, we believe predominantly it's because of the ability for us to offer flexibility. I think also in terms of employee engagement, and we measure this through employee surveys, if you look at people, you know, the correlation between people who enjoy some degree of flexibility 
and their engagement levels, there is a clear sort of correlation. They're a bit happier um, than, than others. And, <laughs> and um, when it's working successfully, you know, and I think that's good for us from a morale point of view in terms of the atmosphere and the culture in the organisation, I think. So I think... For a number of reasons, yeah. We measure things, we measure the benefit. Some of it's a bit intangible, though. You can't measure everything. But I think um, what you can measure, um, we have actually got good evidence to suggest that it's a real business benefit for us. So the benefits of flexible working can be enormous. And with the new legislation just around the corner, now is the time for businesses to be thinking about how they can integrate more flexible work into their own organisations. Here's Ben Wilmot from the CIPD. We need to see more organisations who are really thinking about flexible working when they are going through um, organisational redesign, organisation development, really looking at how you can design jobs in different ways so that flexible working can be more integrated. I think those opportunities aren't fully explored and I think that's where HR practice probably does need to uh, focus its attention in this area in, yes. in the future. I mean, that would be the intelligent way to go about it, wouldn't it? Rather than trying to squeeze existing job models into flexible working. Absolutely. Do it the other way around yeah. and design the jobs such that they, they really lend themselves to it. So, for example, things like job share, we know that you know, they are really hardly ever used, um, you know, if you look at our survey evidence, but the evidence is that there is demand for you know, those, those types of roles. Um, is so the practicalities of making them work that hold people back? I think it is. So I think HR certainly needs to get get to grips with um, you know designing high quality uh, job shares, but a lot of it is also educating managers in terms of of how they they manage job shares and how they performance manage job shares. So the line management education piece is critical to progressing flexible working. Encouraging positivity and really hammering home the benefits rather than any perceived disadvantages. Absolutely changing attitudes. That's it for this month. In the next podcast, I'll be looking at ways to keep employees engaged when small and medium-sized organisations begin to branch out and grow bigger. Join me then. You've been listening to the CIPD podcast series.